Matthew 4, 4. Everybody there? It says, uh, he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Notice that it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now let's turn over to Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah 15. We're going to have a good time tonight. Jeremiah 15. Jeremiah 15, and we're going to start in verse 16. Jeremiah 15, 16. And it says, your words were found and I ate them. Underline that. Your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. My God. And notice he says, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. But I want you to underline that your words were found and notice what he did. And I ate them and your word was to me joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Amen. Now turn over to one more passage here. One more passage. Acts 6. Acts 6. And we'll just plan it there. Acts 6. Acts 6. Charles, I'm going to miss you next week. The Stumblers, they're going to Washington, D.C. What, what was that? Well, I'm going to miss the Stumps. They're not going to be here next Thursday, are you? No, you got to be in Washington, D.C. Well, God bless you, brothers. So, uh, Acts 6, and we're going to read in verse 4. It says, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. But notice that we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So tonight, if you're taking notes, the title of the message is, Eat It. Look at your neighbor and say, Eat It. Look at your other neighbor and say, Eat It. And uh, I'm talking about the importance of the Word of God in your life tonight. And uh, last, not last week, but the week before, we talked about essential prayer. Remember that? We talked about essential prayer. And we we talked about how, if anything, you're going to get in your spiritual walk with God, prayer and the Word of God has to be priority. And I looked up the word essential because I was thinking about it, and there's two things that the Bible is very clear about that are essential to your life as a believer and as a follower of Jesus that need to be an essential part of your life. And that one is prayer, fellowship time with God, talking to God, uh, praying for things, um, interceding over others. But the other thing is the word of God. And I looked up the word essential and the word essential means something that is absolutely necessary. If there was two things I could tell you, if you want to be a strong, healthy, vibrant believer, which that's what I'm thinking you guys want to be, a strong, healthy, vibrant believer in Jesus, and you're, you're spiritually strong and you're ready to go at all times, you need to be full of the Word of God and you need to be a person of prayer at all times. Because it's something that's essential. It's absolutely necessary for your life and in, in your life with God. It's absolutely necessary. So this is something that's essential. So we talked about prayer, but tonight we're going to emphasize the, the Word of God. You know, we talked about this some um, uh, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about prayer, but if you want to be a strong, healthy person, you need two things. You need food and you need water. If you want to be healthy physically, 
you need food and water for your body. But if you want to be healthy spiritually, you need two things also. You need fellowship time with God or prayer time with God. And that's that's a water in his presence. Jesus said, if you come to me, you won't thirst anymore in his presence. So that's that's symbolic of water. But the food is the word of life or the bread of life, which is the word of God. And that is your food. That is your substance. That's what you need. And you know, you can't live on water alone. You need some food. You can live off water for maybe a couple weeks at a time, but eventually you're going to have to eat something. So we can't just have water and we can't just have bread. We need water and bread. So we need prayer time, but we need the word of God. And so if we want to be strong, healthy, vibrant believers, we need both. Prayer and the word of God, these are absolutely necessary for your life. I know, I know some of you could sit here and think, well, I've heard this my whole life, but it's, it's that simple. It's that easy. You know, you want some, some top secret thing that nobody's ever told you. The Word of God and prayers is what's going to keep you healthy and vibrant as a spiritual person. So Acts 6 and 4, we read this a second ago, the early church. This is some of the leaders in the early church that, that wanted to stay spiritually strong and healthy because there was a lot of things going on, a lot of people uh, coming to church and things were growing. And notice they said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and notice the ministry of the word. Prayer and the ministry of the word. But notice he says, we will give ourselves continually. We talked about this the other week. God's not going to force you to pray. God's not going to force you to read your Bible. Notice what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to give yourself to it. Because God's not going to force you to do anything. The devil forces you to do things. God does not force you to do things. So you're going to have to give yourself continually to it. And notice the word continually. We talked about this in prayer. Prayer should not just be a once a week thing. It should not just be a once a month thing. It should be a continual thing. A continual communication with God. It should be a daily thing. But not just prayer, the word should be a part of your daily life. Notice it says continually. You should be continually giving yourself to prayer and the word. You know, if you don't eat or drink anything in a day, you get hungry and you get thirsty and you're weak that day if you don't eat or drink anything. And it's the same spiritually. Some reason we think differently spiritually than we do physically. If you are going to get weak physically from not eating and drinking in a day, why don't you think if you don't have time in prayer and time in the word that you're not going to be spiritually weak? Because you will be spiritually weak. And a lot of us put more emphasis on our physical body than we do our spiritual man. And our spiritual man is shrunk and hungry and thirsty, but our natural body is fed more than enough. Come on, especially us in America. We live in America and we eat more than enough all the time. And so we need to give ourselves continually to it. You know, we talked about this the other week. Your spirit wants to pray. Your spirit on the inside, if you've been reborn, you have a born-again spirit, the spirit of you wants to pray, and the spirit of you wants to get in the Word of God. Now, the problem is you live in a body, a fleshly body, which you can't do anything about till you die. And you're going to have that the rest of your life. And it's not bad that you feel that way, but you live in your flesh, and you can't get out of your flesh unless you want to go to heaven right now. But your flesh does not want to read the Bible and your flesh does not want to pray because he realizes if you spend time in the word of God in prayer that you're going to defeat your flesh and you're not going to obey your flesh. And your flesh wants you to not pray and to not read your Bible so it gets its way. And so your spirit desires to do it. 
but your flesh is weak. And that's, that's the issue with especially uh, uh, young people, young, youth and young adults, I feel like, is us. Because we don't want to fake it. We don't want to act, you know, if we're really not into it, we're not going to do it. But we got to separate what our spirit wants and what our flesh wants. Because our flesh doesn't want to pray and does not want to read the Bible, but our spirit does. So a lot of us go by our flesh, you know, I just don't feel like it right now. If, you know, for the rest of your life, your flesh is going to give you symptoms. I don't care how spiritual you think you get. Your flesh is always going to give you a rebuttal. It's always going to try to push back that you don't want to get in the Word of God in prayer because it knows that is your victory over your flesh is to get in the Word of God in prayer. I heard uh, Gloria Copeland say this, and some other people have said it differently, but whatever you give yourself to, because notice we, we said here in verse 4, we will give ourselves to continually. Whatever you give yourself to, your desires will follow. Whatever you give yourself to consistently, your de- desires will follow. Even if you don't like it at first, your desires will eventually follow that. We just know that not even talking spiritually in the natural world, people that, that, that don't even like something and they start doing it continually, the desires start going after that because that's in people. But how much more spiritually, if we start giving ourselves to spiritual things like the Word and God in prayer, our desires will get even stronger. And so whatever we give ourselves to, our desires will eventually follow that. You know, I know people that uh, drank a beer for the first time and said it tasted like junk. It tasted like somebody just peed in a bottle. And they said they'd never do it again. But they kept drinking and kept drinking, even though it, it, it tasted like junk. They kept drinking it. And guess what? Eventually, if you keep giving yourself to something, your desires will go after it. But how much more in the spiritual realm, whatever you give yourself to, your desires will follow it. Let's turn back over to Matthew 4. Matthew 4, 4. Matthew 4, 4. Matthew 4, 4. Notice Jesus speaking. It says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Notice every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, don't read your Bible because you're condemned. Hello, somebody. We talked about this the other week. Don't pray because you're condemned. Pray because you're in love. And don't read your Bible because you're condemned. And don't read your Bible out of fear that God's going to smite you with sickness and disease if you don't read it. Read your Bible because you're in love. Hello, somebody. And that's the whole thing. This book that, that a lot of you have on your laps, it's a love letter written to you from God. And if you treated it like that, you would get a lot more out of it than reading, this is a book of laws I have to keep so God will be happy with me. No, this is a love letter from God. And if we treated it like that, it would be completely different what we got out of it. You know, I heard somebody say before, don't read your Bible. Uh, or they said, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't read the Bible in a couple of days. And they said, well, are you like feeling condemned or fearful about it or whatever? He said, uh, don't feel condemned because you haven't read your Bible in a couple of days. You should feel hungry if you haven't read your Bible in a couple of days. Because we've been talking about that. Just like your body needs food, your spirit needs food. And the bread of life, which is the word of God, is what feeds your spirit. And notice what Jesus said. Man shall not live by bread alone, by natural food, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Uh, check this out. This is what the message says about that verse. It takes more than bread to be alive. 
It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. Notice that. That's what the message said. It takes more than bread to be alive on this planet. It takes steady stream of God's word from his mouth. You know, I was thinking about this uh, a little bit earlier about, you know, some of us in here, we don't really have a, a desire much for the word of God. But I was thinking about people that haven't eaten in a long time. You know, their stomach starts shrinking and so they're really not as hungry as they used to be. And after a period of time, the people that used to be hungry, there's, you know, there's people, we see them on TV over in Africa and India, people starving in the streets, and they don't even really get hungry anymore because they haven't eaten in such a long time. And their stomach is so shrunken that they don't even desire anything. And that could be some of our states in here because we haven't eaten the Word of God in such a long time. You say, I'm not even really even hungry for the Word of God. I'm going to tell you how to fix that. You want to know how to fix that? Just like in the natural, if you wanted to uh, start putting some weight on that person that hadn't eaten in a long time, you just got to give him a little bit of food. And guess what? His stomach's got to enlarge a little bit. And you know what? The next day, since he had food yesterday, he's going to be hungry from that yesterday's meal. And guess what? The next day, you're going to give him a little bit more food. And you know what? When he wakes up the next day, he's, he's not going to be satisfied with just getting a little bit. He's going to get hungrier and hungrier. And guess what? That person's eventually, their stomach is going to enlarge to the place where it needs to be. And they're going to start eating normal, real meals. But notice they had to start somewhere. They had to start with just a little bit. So this, this is my key tonight. If you have no, you're saying, I have no hunger or desire whatsoever to get in the Word of God, just start eating a little bit and do it daily. And guess what? Your spiritual stomach will start getting bigger. And you know what? The next day you wake up, you're going to say, I need a little bit more of the Word of God. And guess what? The next day your stomach is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger on the inside of your spirit, man, is going to need more and more and more. And how many know in your spirit you can grow as much as you want? It's not like the natural when you when you get too big. You you can never get too big on your spirit, man. So it doesn't matter if you keep growing and growing and growing. That's the point. Your spirit man can keep growing and growing and growing. So that's that's really something I felt that God laid on my heart that a lot of us maybe they don't have much desire is just we haven't eaten in such a long time. Our spiritual stomachs are shrunk down and we don't we're not even hungry anymore. But if you put a little bit of food, a little bit of the word of God, you start getting an appetite, and you can start growing from there. Amen? Amen. Now let's look at 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. Second Timothy 3. Second Timothy 3, and we're going to start in verse 15 here. This is Paul writing to Timothy, a young minister in the faith. He says, And that from your childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able, notice, to make you wise. By you just reading your Bible, you become wise. And you'd be surprised. You're a lot, you have a lot more wisdom than most people on the planet just if you read a proverb every day. And notice he says, You have learned the Scriptures from your youth or from your childhood. A lot of us in here have grown up in church. And you don't need to despise that because you have learned that from your youth and it is able to make you wise. You have a jump start on a lot of people who have no Bible knowledge whatsoever. You got so much wisdom on the inside of you. Use that wisdom. Don't neglect that wisdom. 
Notice it says, it's able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. But notice that all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know, the Bible, which a lot of you have, or the word of God, we call it. It's still the number one bestseller on the planet. And it has been for thousands of years. The Bible is. And it was written with 40 different authors, three different languages over a period of 1,600 years. You know, 2,000 times in this Bible that you hold, it says this is the Word of God. You know, a lot of people, especially in our culture today, they want to they say stuff about the Bible. The Bible is not reliable. The Bible is not responsible. It was written by a bunch of old people in the Middle East a long time ago. It doesn't have anything to do with today. But this is not just written by 40 different authors. All these 40 different authors were led by the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote. And every word is inspired by God in this book. That's why we don't take this book lightly. That's why we don't treat it like every other book on our library. Because this book, all of it, notice all scripture is inspired by God. Every word is inspired by God. But I love that over 2,000 times... In this book, it says, this is the word of God. Just so you know, this is the word of God. This is not just somebody's idea. This is not just another uh, book of enlightenment. This is not just somebody's opinion. This is the word of God. And see, a lot of people don't know that. Even Christians don't believe that thoroughly. And that's why they treat their Bible flippantly. They don't really read it. They don't really care. They say, what's the point? But if you realize all scripture is inspired by God, is breathed out by God, then that, that changes the way you read it. That word inspiration really means God breathed. Every part of this book is God breathed. It's breathed out by God. Let's turn over to 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1. Second Peter 1, and we're going to start in verse 20. We're still talking about all Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. Verse 20, it says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God who spoke as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit. Notice this. This is talking about Scripture. It says all of Scripture is not just some man's ideas or man's interpretation. It says, but this was by holy men of God. All 40 of these different authors were holy men of God. Notice what happened. And, and they were moved on by the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote. wrote. All 40 of these authors. There is a, there's a word. It's called plenary verbal inspiration. You don't have to write that down. And uh, I just took it to the whole nother level. And uh, <laughs> what it means is this, because here's another argument. I'm just warning you before your friends and professors and other people try to argue with you about different stuff about the Bible. I already got one up on them. 
because there's a lot of Christians that, that don't believe. They believe that the Bible is inspired, but they believe certain parts in the Bible shouldn't have been in there. And they believe that, you know, I believe that the Bible is the word of God. But I, I think Paul wrote a little bit of this. That was a little bit of just Paul. That wasn't God there speaking. Or this was a little bit of John. No, it's either all true or it's all false. Because we can't pick and choose because somebody over here is going to pick the scriptures that they like and say they're inspired. Somebody over here is going to pick the scriptures that they like. And so notice in, in 2 Timothy, we just read it. All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is God-breathed. But this word plenary verbal inspiration means, and this is what we believe as a church, is that we believe the Bible is inspired by God, but even down to the choice of words that the people chose. Every word. Even the greetings, even the endings of letters, every part of it is inspired by God. Even to the choice of words that these 40 different authors chose, we believe it's all inspired. Because there's a lot of people that don't believe that fully, and they try to take out what they don't like. But we believe it all. Now let's look over at John 17, 17. John 17, 17. Just trying to, we're trying to teach tonight the importance of the Word of God. John seventeen seventeen. Here's here's something we'll get. I, I'm just gonna nail all these. The Bible is, uh, or the Word of God is, it's old. It's irrelevant. It was written thousands of years ago by a bunch of sheep herders in the Middle East. Why do I care about this in 2011 when I have a car and I have a CD player and I have computers and I have an iPhone? Why do I care what these people said thousands of years ago? Good question. Okay, it's a good question. Because uh, a lot of people say that. Why would I want to read the Bible? It's old. It's irrelevant. I can read the Twilight series. I can read something else. It's a little bit up to date. Okay. The thing is, cultures change. That's true. Technology changes. Styles change. Careers change. We don't live in the Middle East. We don't, we're not uh, herding sheep tonight. We actually drive cars. and We're not on donkeys tonight. Thank God. We have air conditioning. Thank God, especially today. Amen. The thing is, cultures change, technology change, styles change, but truth does not change. Are you here tonight? Truth does not change. And that's the whole thing. This Bible is not just a history lesson. It's truth. And so cultures can change, styles can change, technology, that's cool, but truth does not change through the years. All those things can change. And in John seventeen seventeen, notice... Jesus speaking, it says, sanctify them by your truth. Notice, your word is truth. The word of God is truth. You know, we need to judge everything in this life by the word of God. Because the word of God is our standard, because it is truth. You know, there might be some true statements that people say, and this might be true, that might be false. But this is our standard, because this book is absolutely true. It is our standard for truth on this planet. But truth does not change. Cultures change, but truth does not change. You need to know that. That's why this Bible is important. Now let's look over at Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. I know I'm doing some teaching tonight, but it's good for you. You need to know this. It strengthens your faith. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12, notice this. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. But notice that the Word of God is living and it's powerful. You know, that's 
how the Bible can be so relevant today than it was 2,000 years ago is because it's alive. There's no other book on the planet that is alive. That's why there's some books that last like 10 years and nobody reads them the rest of their life because they're not alive. But the Word of God is alive, and notice it's powerful. That's why the Bible is just as relevant as the day it was written, is because it's alive. It's God-breathed. It has God's power in it. And notice, the Word of God is living, and it's powerful, and it's able to transform you from the inside out. Romans 12, 2 says that. And that word there it uses transform is the word they get metamorphosis. The same word that they get when... Uh, when a tadpole turns into a frog or when, when a little caterpillar turns into a butterfly and they metamorphosize. That's what happens when we renew our thinking to what this book says and we renew our mind to what the Word of God says. It has able to change us from that old state to a new creation in Christ Jesus. But no, no just regular book can do that. Only the Word of God because the Word of God is alive and it's powerful. Now let's look over at Psalms 119. Psalms 119. You guys get anything tonight? Psalms 119. Here's, here's something I've heard and, and you'll probably get. Uh, I don't read the Bible because it's too restrictive and it's just got a lot of laws in it that I need to obey. So I'm really not, not into the Bible. It's kind of, it's just real restrictive. I don't. You know, I'm kind of free, and I want to do what I want to do, so I don't read the Bible. Well, first of all, the Word of God always brings freedom, not bondage. And the person telling you that is probably already in bondage by the way they're talking. Because the only thing that brings true and lasting freedom is the Word of God. And uh, in the Gospels, it says, you shall know the truth, which what do we know the truth is, the Word of God, and the truth will set you free. And so we see here, the people that say, you know, the Bible's too restrictive, it's, it's, it's got a lot of laws, and I'm really not into that. The Word of God is the only thing that will truly bring freedom to your life. You know, James talks about the Word of God, and notice he calls it the perfect law of liberty. That's what James calls it, the perfect law of liberty. He didn't call it the perfect law of bondage, the perfect law of no fun, the perfect law of restriction. He called the Word of God the perfect law of liberty. Why? Because it brings freedom, not bondage, not restriction. The Word of God brings freedom. And that's the word he chose to use, the perfect law of liberty. When we look into the Bible, it brings liberty, it brings freedom, and nothing else. It shows you how you can live a free life. That's what the Word of God does. But in Psalms 119.45, it says, And I will walk in freedom, for I seek your precepts. For I will walk in freedom, for I seek your precepts. And it, the whole Psalm 119 is talking about the Word of God. Notice, I will walk in freedom. Why? Because I seek the Word of God. You've got you to understand this. God's Word is not restrictive. You need to hear this. The only thing that the Bible tells you to stay away from are things that are going to hurt you. Hello. For just intelligent people to realize that, the only thing that the Bible tells you to stay away from are things that are going to hurt you and harm you. And people are, are arguing with the Bible. You know, the Bible's restrictive. You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. It's warning you to things that are going to hurt you. 
That's the only thing the Bible tells you you can't do. Are things that are going to end up ruining your life, bringing you into bondage, and destroying you. That's the only thing that the Bible tells you you couldn't do. And notice, it only tells us things that we need to stay away from that are going to hurt us. But it also shows us, more importantly, what things to pursue that are going to bring us liberty and pure, real freedom. That's what the Word of God does. It tells us what things that are going to hurt us. That's not restrictive. That's somebody who really loves you and cares about you that's going to steer you away from things that are going to hurt you. But, but more than that, it tells you what things are going to really bring you true and av- everlasting freedom, which is God himself. Now let's look at uh, Psalms 1. Psalms 1. Psalms 1. Now next week, I was going to type up some things this week, but I had like a bunch of papers to do for Portland Bible College, so I'm a little typed out. That character study on Ehud, it was pretty heavy. So uh, (laughs) Psalms 1. Psalms 1. But I am going to type out a little thing to you uh, just of some more practical advice on how to study God's Word. Um what to look for, how to uh, interpret scripture, and different things like that. More practical stuff than teaching tonight. And just a heads up for anybody who is getting into the Word of God. I suggest that each one of you in here at least have one study Bible. Because there's a lot of things that you really not you might not get to the same level if you just have a, just a regular you know, King James Version with nothing, no study notes in it whatsoever. Because a lot of times you might not know the context of what, why somebody's saying something. And you're like, I don't get it. And then in the study Bible, you can look it up and it will help you tremendously. So I encourage all of you in here, if you're serious about studying God's word, if you really want to get a lot more out of it than just reading one proverb a day, which is going to help you. But there's so much more than that you can get into. I think you should get a study Bible. And study Bibles I recommend are ESV has a good study Bible. The English Standard Version, New Living Translation has a good study Bible. And last but certainly not least, New Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible. Come on now. Jack Hayford up in the house. So I recommend this. This is good because it tells you a lot about each book, and there's a lot of extra help in there that will help you tremendously, and you can get a lot more out of it. So that's the practical side. Now I'm going to hit the spiritual side of this, talking about studying the Bible and really getting all you need to out of the Bible is, you know, I recommend study Bibles. I recommended concordances where you can, you know, look up Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic words, and that's awesome, and I'm all for that, and I have to do all the above. And you can get a lot of stuff out of that, but more importantly than that, because I know some people, and I've heard some people, that have study Bibles, have 25 study Bibles, and they know Greek and Hebrew backwards, and they are dry as an old corn cob. And they don't got no revelation, so it really doesn't matter if they got that many study Bibles. But I want to tell you something Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, now he said this, he took it to the whole another level on this. You know, some people read the Bible in Greek. Were you, were you repeating that for me? Come on. Some people read the Bible in Greek. Some people read the Bible in Hebrew, but I read it in the Holy Ghost. And I tell you, it, it will help if you know some Greek and Hebrew, but it will help you a lot more if you know the Holy Ghost. 
And so really what I encourage, I encourage you to be a study of the word. But more than that, let the Holy Ghost reveal the word to you. How many know the Holy Ghost? We read it earlier in first Peter. He was the one who inspired people to write it. So he knows what it means. Hello, somebody. It says he was the one who led those uh, 40 different authors along by his power and by his inspiration. So if anybody knows what the Bible means, it's the Holy Ghost. And so it's awesome to study and research. But more than that, we need to have the Holy Ghost, which it says the Holy Spirit is a revealer of truth. He reveals the word of God to us. That is one of his primary roles for uh, all of us who have been born again is to reveal the word of God to us. It's to reveal truth or bring the word of God alive. You know, because there's some people who read the Bible and it's just a dry, dead book. It's because they don't have the Holy Spirit within them bringing it alive. And he's the one who inspired it, but he's also the one who now all of us who have been born again can illuminate the word of God to us. Or bring it alive so we can understand what it says. I love this uh, A.W. Tozer, which was, uh, he put word on it. That's all I got to say. When you read the Bible, you always need to think about this. This is not a book once spoken, but a book that is now speaking. This is not a book once spoken. This is a book now speaking, and it is speaking to me today. We need to treat it like that. Every day when you read your Bible, it will change the way you read. This is not a book once spoken. This is a book now speaking to me today. And I encourage all of us in here, including myself, that not to just get so caught up with study Bibles and all that. That's good. But when you read your Bible, I encourage everyone, before you read the Bible, some of you might already do this, is you need to pray and ask God, tell the Holy Spirit, I want you to reveal the Word of God to me today. Bring it alive to me today. And you'll be amazed how much more you get out of it than just reading it dry and dead. And just reading it because you got to do it. Or just reading it so you can put in your time today. But ask the Holy Spirit. And that's his job is to reveal truth. Is to illuminate the scriptures. Now let's read Psalms 1 and verse uh, 1. We're going to read from 1 to 3. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits at the seat of the scornful, But his delight, notice his delight, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, really, one of the last things I want to talk about tonight is meditation. Meditation. Now, you... If, if you didn't get anything up to now, listen now. Hopefully you got it all. But I really wanted to talk about meditation because really it's a lost art, especially for youth and young adults. They can't sit still more than five minutes and are always texting and got headphones in. And I'm talking to myself because I'm always texting and I got headphones in a lot of the time. But meditation is going to be a key because we're talking about the Word of God, a key to you understanding the Word of God. And getting the most you can out of reading your Bible is meditation. See, a lot of us don't get a lot out of the Bible because we don't sit and wait and meditate on the Word so the Holy Spirit has time to come talk to us about the Word. We just read it so quick and leave that we don't get anything out of it. 
reading your Bible is not a marathon race to see how quick you can get done so you can go do something you want to do. You need to read the Bible and actually meditate on it so the Holy Spirit can actually talk to you. But a lot of us don't get it, not because God don't want to speak, it's because we don't sit still long enough to get what He's trying to say. So there's a key word here, and it's, uh, it's meditation. And notice in Psalms 1, in verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And really, when we see that word law here, it's not really meaning the Ten Commandments. It's not, it's not meaning, you know, like the Levitical laws or Deuteronomy. It's really a broader term than that. Because some of you could think, you know, I'm trying to meditate in the Leviticus and, you know, in the, in the laws about the priests and stuff. Really, this word could be changed for God's word or God's instruction or God's teachings. That's what he's saying here. So let's change it out for that word. It says, but his delight is in the word of the Lord. Notice that. And in his word, or God's word, he meditates day and night. And notice the effects of somebody who actually meditates on God's word. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's somebody who meditates God's word. You need to, you need to understand this. Now, this word meditation, a lot of people think different things about meditation. A lot of people, when they think meditation, they think the wrong definition of meditation. Now, there's a thing called Eastern meditation that a lot of you people are thinking about. And that's, that's you sitting on a little rug in a room that has nothing else, and there's like spa music playing, and you're sitting, you know, with your feet crossed and your, your uh, fingers up like this, and you're humming. That's not what the Word of God's talking about. Because Eastern meditation is, is a process of trying to empty your mind of all your thoughts and all the bad karma you got. Okay, that's Eastern meditation. That's not what we're talking about. But what the Word of God talks when it says, I want you to meditate or meditation, it means to fill or focus your mind on God's Word. Not to empty your mind, but to fill your mind and focus your mind on God's Word. That's the difference. You know, if you read the Psalms a lot... The word comes up a lot. It says Selah. After Psalms, it says Selah. That's another word to say meditate, which Selah just means hold up a second, take a deep breath, and think about what I just said. So you actually get the meaning of what's being said here. So notice that word Selah or to meditate. It's kind of the same context, which just means you need to chill out and think about what's being said here and let God reveal his word to you. A.W. Tozer, he said this, the lack of meditation in Christians, which I fully agree with the statement, leads to spiritual superficiality. The lack of meditation in a lot of Christians leads to spiritual superficiality. That means there's a lot of Christians who their relationship with God is very hollow, it's very empty, they don't have hardly any revelation. Come on, Master Mike, we talked about that the other day. You know why? Because they don't meditate on God's word. And so their relationship with God is kind of hollow, it's kind of empty because they never take time to meditate. I love it. Tozer said, it produces spiritual superficiality. It's just a superficial relationship with God. It's a superficial relationship with His Word when we don't take time to meditate. There's a lot of believers like that. You know, because they just have a, 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 just a mental knowledge of they agree with the Word of God and they know the Word of God, but they haven't taken time to meditate on it. 
and actually become real to them into revelation. And revelation is what changes you, not just information. Not just you knowing where Paul went on this missionary trip changes you. Revelation from God's word is what changes your life. Not just information. And you don't get revelation from just reading the Bible really quick and leaving. You only get revelation from meditating in God's word. And taking time to sit and think about what he just said. You know, we talked a lot about eating the Word of God and the importance that you need to eat the Word of God or take in the Word of God because it it makes you strong as a believer. I love this quote. It said, meditation is to the soul what digestion is to the body. So notice that. It's not enough just to read the Word of God. That's eating it. But you've got to digest what you just ate. You know, if, if, if your physical body, if you just eat something and you don't digest it, that's not giving you any nourishment. You're, you're not going to get anything from that food you just ate if your digestion system is not working. And that's what a lot of people do. They read the Bible so quick. Yeah, good, you ate it. But now you need to digest what you just ate. You need to take time and meditate on God's word so you actually get nourishment out of it. So the problem, maybe not with some of you in here, it's not you're, you're not that you're reading the Bible, but you're not taking time to meditate so you're not getting any nourishment from what you're eating. I love this. Meditation is to your soul what digestion is to your body. So it's not enough for you just to read the word. You've got to meditate it and digest the word. And only when you digest the word is when you actually get nourishment and health from the word of God. And there's no substitute for that in your life. Like I said earlier, it's, it's a really a lost art, not just in the younger generation, but people all around because our world 2011 is so fast paced. We got three cell phones, iPods, our cars going. We got a CD in the CD player. We got books around us. We got people talking and really our culture is so consumed with things. We hardly have any time to do anything or to sit still or to think or to pray, but there's no substitute for meditating God's word. You know, the thing about A.W. Tozer, which I got a lot of these quotes, if you've ever read his books, they are so deep and there's so much revelation in them. And and he didn't even go to college. He didn't even graduate from a university. But one thing he did do was meditate in God's word. He didn't have some doctorate or formal education. But if you read his writings, he he far surpasses some doctors that I've read that on Christian books. Why? Because he's taking time to meditate God's word. Now let's look over at Joshua. Joshua 1.8. You guys get anything tonight? Joshua 1.8. Just trying to tell you guys the importance of God's word. The importance of God's word. We're going to be looking at Joshua 1.8. And before we uh, before we read that, there's something interesting to know. Uh, Psalms 119, you can just write this down. Psalms 119, which is literally smack dab in the middle of all your Bibles, which I don't think that's accident, that Psalms 119 is in the middle of your Bible. And it's a really big chapter. And the whole chapter is about the importance of God's Word. The whole entire chapter. 
And it's not an accident that it's right in the middle of your Bible trying to get you a clue how important God's Word is. But the whole chapter of Psalms 119 is all about meditating in God's Word. The whole chapter. You should read it later. The whole chapter is about meditating God's Word. And when I looked up the word meditate, you know, there was, a, there was several different places it was, it was mentioned in the Bible. But notice in Psalms 119, the word meditate or meditation is mentioned eight times in that chapter. There's no other chapter or book in the Bible that that word is mentioned like that. There's only one time in, in all the different chapters. But in Psalms 119, it's mentioned eight times to meditate God's word. To get the point over to you that that's how important it is. So Joshua 1.8, it says the book of the law, or we could just put in God's word. God's word shall not depart from your mouth, but shall medit- you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all according to what is written in it. And notice, here's the results of doing that. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Notice that. That's the results of God's Word. It sounds a lot like Psalms 1. It says, when you meditate in God's Word, it makes you prosperous, not just financially, but every part of your life. And then you will have good success. I know a lot of us in here, we want to be successful. We don't want to be losers. We don't want to be failures in life. We want to be successful. And the number one way to be successful in the kingdom of God, we're not talking about just naturally, is to meditate in God's Word. If you want to be a success... In the kingdom of God is to meditate. Something I want to talk about real quick is that word meditate in the Hebrew, it really means, means to speak to yourself. That word meditate means to speak to yourself. So it's more than just filling your mind with the word. It's talking the word to yourself. And there's a part that a lot of us don't get into is speaking the word to ourselves. And Joshua 1, eight picks that up. Notice the first thing he says, that the word of God shall not depart from your mouth. He didn't say not depart from your mind. It needs to be there too. But it says it shall not depart from your mouth because the main part of meditating God's word is speaking the word of God to yourself. That's the definition when you look up the word meditate in the Hebrew is to speak to oneself or to have a conversation with oneself. And that's not crazy that you're doing that. You know, a lot of us think it's funny when somebody's talking to themselves, but the Word of God tells tells you to talk to yourself, to speak to yourself. And you need to speak to yourself every day what the Word of God has to say. I think that's why it's important that we, we not just meditate, but we memorize Scripture, that we take time to speak the Word of God over our lives every day. Because that's how we can really get it in on the inside of us and digest it is when we meditate and speak it to ourselves. So that word really means to preach to yourself. He's talking about every day, day and night, he says, the word of God in your life, you need to preach it to yourself every day, the word of God. Whatever's going on in that day, maybe you're not feeling well, you need to start preaching to yourself what the word of God says. That's meditating in it. You need to say, by his stripes, I am healed. You know, if you got financial lack that day, you need to start preaching to yourself that, that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's a part of meditating. That's a part that a lot of people don't get to. They fill their mind with the word, but they don't speak to themselves. 
you need to speak to yourself the Word of God. And that helps you get the Word of God in you when you speak to yourself. You know, it's not so much important that you guys can get up here and preach or downstairs and preach or you preach to your friends. The best sermon that you need to preach is to yourself. The best sermon that I need to preach is not here, it's to myself. And it's not for just people in the fivefold ministry, but every one of you in here, God says you need to preach to yourself every day what the Word of God says. And that's going to help you be victorious. And notice it says, you will be prosperous. You will have good success. You will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And you will always be producing fruit. And everything you touch will prosper when you're somebody who always is preaching the Word of God to himself. So we need to preach the Word of God to ourselves. And uh, if you read the Old Testament, David, which was a man after God's own heart, he said he encouraged himself in the Lord. He didn't have a band behind him. He didn't have his friends there with him. Actually, his friends were saying they were going to kill him then. But David chose to meditate in God's word and speak God's word to himself. And notice he says, I encourage myself in the Lord. David preached to himself what the word said. And that's how he got through that heavyweight trial that David was going through, is he preached to himself. So some of you in here say, I'm not a preacher. Well, you need to learn to be a preacher. You might not preach to anybody else but yourself the rest of your life, but that's very important. Because God says you need to preach to yourself every day. You need to talk the word of God every day of your life because it will change your life. So let's go beyond just filling our mind or thinking about the word, which that's part of meditation. But the other part, just as vital, is speaking the word of God. Speaking the word of God every day. And the more you speak it, it helps get in you. It helps get in your spirit, man. The more it changes the atmosphere. And we're not talking about, I'm not just talking about just speaking confessions, but just speaking speaking while you're reading the scriptures, maybe it would help you to just read the scriptures out loud and speak the word of God to yourself. So we need to learn to speak to ourselves. When you're discouraged, when you're not feeling well, when you you feel like the world is caving in on you, you need to preach to yourself. That's exactly the opposite of what you're going to feel like doing, but that's the only way out of what that situation you're in. That's the only way to victory. That's the only way you're going to get out of that is if you speak to yourself. But it's not so much you just speaking to yourself in the natural. Because there's a lot of people that have self, you know, self-positive talk. And that's not what we're talking about here. You're just saying, I'm pretty, I'm hot, I'm good looking, I'm successful. Speaking God's word is what's important. Because the power is not just, and you just think good about yourself, and you're just complimenting yourself. The power is in God's word. is in speaking God's word over yourself.